Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 8 o'clock a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite or me as a favorite host, or get reminders of upcoming shows. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can phone or you can use Skype. And that's, um, Also, I want to tell you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality, the coming changes and the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending that out free for 11 years now. The address to sign up for that would be go to hotpinklotus.com. I don't share email addresses. Today we have a very interesting guest. Her name is Belinda Farrell. She's a hypnotherapist, a psychic energy healer, and she brings you, with permission, ancient Hawaiian chants and drumming combining the ancient process of huna, H-U-N-A, to open your heart and call your spirit back to receive more love. Belinda says that during the past 10 years as a healing practitioner, she's seen real need for people to forgive in order to heal themselves, and that unforgiveness is the greatest toxin we have in the body. Intellectually, people realize they have to let go of the past, but they don't know how. So let's talk with uh, her now and see what more she has to tell us about that. Are you there? I am here. Aloha, Lois. Aloha. Aloha. I'd love to speak with you. Same here. So can you tell us more about about this statement that forgiveness creates toxin in the body? What does that mean? Well, we hold all of these memories and past um, uh, transgressions against ourselves, and what that is, is is energy that flows backwards in our body. Our unconscious mind works better when it can operate on a on a healthy blueprint and these negative thought forms that we hold inside from the past block all that energy and and uh does not allow our body to function properly so the the forgiveness process helps us to forgive ourselves push these memories up and out get closure on them and release them from the body so that we can run effectively and become healthy it's like background static that doesn't let the music play. That's absolutely correct. When I learned this in Hawaii, and again, huna means secret. These were the ancient secrets that if we took an active part in this, we could heal ourselves. And I I did this and avoided surgery, and um, yeah, it was amazing. So I'm definitely a believer because I came from a paralysis and... Uh, um, my back was completely inoperable, and I was told I would never walk again without surgery. And I used the HUNA techniques to completely heal myself. And so can you explain to us more about what HUNA techniques are? Because not a lot of people that I know are familiar with HUNA, which is one well, of the reasons. Well, right. it, it's right. It's going inside and using the breath, the, the ha breathing, um, you'll notice that in a lot of the words like aloha, ha, vai, there's the, the word ha in there. And this breath is a conscious breath that the Hawaiians would breathe sometimes for hours using this type of breathing. It's a deep breath up to the top of the head and then a ha as you exhale. And by doing that, it gives permission for the higher part of you called the higher self to open up and flow down inside of you. And the higher self is considered what does the healing. It's like you just can't explain it. It's like explaining calculus to a a Mm two-year-old. But when you start to do this breathing and you release these emotions, then miracles take place within the body. And that's what I did. I was a stunt car driver for many years. Did you are know that? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You were a stunt car driver? Yeah, I did, How I did cool that. How cool is that? 
it was pretty pretty fun. I was an adrenaline junkie at one time, and I just enjoyed race cars. I, I started with Formula Fords and worked my way up to Formula Atlantics and then joined a team in Hollywood, and we did uh, stunt work. So then that's how you hurt your back, right? Well, I was born with scoliosis, so I always had kind of a compromised back, and um I had a brace for, you know, a couple of years of my life. So it was it was deformed and had to do with a lot of fear, growing up in a family that had a lot of fear. And my mother didn't even drive a car. I mean, she was afraid to drive. So that's why I guess I had to, you know, kind of show that that wasn't going to happen in my life. And, you know, I had to back uh, labor when I had my one of my children. So there was always a lot of pain regarding my back and then when I became a stunt driver um, I kind of just uh, avoided the the pain and just fought through it because I loved driving so much and you know it it was fine until I kept pushing myself and pushing myself and then of course a lot of um, pretty violent turns and things that we did in our jobs um, finally landed me uh, on in bed and I couldn't walk anymore and it was pretty sad and pretty hard time for myself, but I had been learning the HUNA for about three years and studying it and seeing the difference in my life from doing the forgiveness and allowing memories to come up, and I started to realize what I had been saying to myself inside that compromised my back to collapse, and the message I was giving myself was that I couldn't support myself that I had to have somebody else support me. Well, if you're saying that to your body, then the part of you that is supporting you, your spine, collapses. It's doing exactly what you've told it to do because it's like a computer. And when I realized that, I reversed it. I started to thank my back for one thing, for supporting me. I started to, you know, just to breathe and bring up the memories that had anything to do with that and release some of these things that were stuck in the lower back. I had a lot of issues around money and support, and that's all lower back issues. And as these things started to come up and get released, then I started to see myself out in the future climbing trees. Wow. And so I got very excited because you have to get emotionally excited to get the unconscious mind to believe that this is what is happening now. And I would just spend time, I, you know, I couldn't move, I was in bed. And I would just see myself climbing these trees and feeling it and the excitement and that, that seed, that link, I'd breathe up to my higher self. The unconscious mind has a direct link to the higher self. And within four days of doing this constantly, um, all of a sudden I, I walked out of bed. I mean, I, I got up, my back was straight, I was completely healed. And when I went to get an x-ray, they said I had a perfectly aligned spine because the scoliosis had completely gone away. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. Well, it made me uh, retire from stunt driving, obviously, and then I started to teach the HUNA the full full time to people who really wanted to take an active part in their healing. I just uh, surgery was not an option for me. I had been married to a surgeon for 18 years. He was um, I I knew some of the the failures they had had doing back surgery. He was an orthopedic surgeon, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to partake in that. I knew if I if you know, I wanted to walk my talk and see if this healing really worked. You know, not just talking about it, but actually experiencing it to work. And it did. Excellent. So tell us a little bit more about the ha breathing. This is a form of yeah. meditation in a way, is it not? It is, but you can do it all during the day. It's a conscious breath because we're, we have to conscious, we're conscious breathers. Like the dolphins, you know, I've swum for over 15 years with the dolphins in Hawaii, the wild dolphins, and I'm reminded by them constantly that they have to come up out of the water to take a breath every seven minutes or else they'll die. And so normally people don't take a deep breath. You know, they're breathing through their chest. 
through their mouth. If they smoke, they suck in air. And so they completely bypass the, the head, sending blood to the brain, and your higher self lives at the top of the head. So you have to choose to just like breathe deeply to the top of your head and then ha. It's just like a ha, just like a aha, you know, like a relaxing ha when you sit in a couch and you just, you know, let go of the day. You're ha releasing. And it's also the sound of what do you say when you laugh? You go ha 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 ha, right? Which might be why sound uh, laughter is so healing. Exactly, because you are tickling your heart. It, it's coming from your heart. It's a ha breath. Ha, 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 ha. So you can just sit in your car and ha, 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 all the way to work, you know, if you choose. It's, you have to choose it. It's conscious because right. it will not come automatically. And so... This brings me to a question about voice toning. I, I've been doing some study lately about uh, the healing power of, of yes. the human voice and right. of spontaneous toning. So yes. is there any of that in HUNA or is it oh, specific? Gosh. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, Spontaneous it's, healing? I mean, spontaneous well, toning? Well, the Hawaiians, the ancient Hawaiians who practiced ha breathing and they practiced forgiveness of themselves and they let go of things during the day and they wouldn't let things collect inside of them they were happy people i mean they were just happy people they laughed they uh they were joyful they celebrated they were grateful all of those um uh what do you uh, vibrations that's a vibration of joy affects your insides and produces healthy people. So they didn't have as much mental illness or hardly any at all until they were restrictions were put on them. And again, that was when the missionaries came over and really just kind of took away their land because they were so, you know, just giving. They were just giving. But they didn't trust the way they were teaching them about God because the missionaries were not breathing. And when they looked at one another, they said, you know, they're not breathing. How can they know about God? Because the only way to really know about God is through the breath and the, you know, expelling of this uh, extension up to the higher self because everything opens up when the higher self comes in. And they weren't breathing, so they gave them the name Howley. If you go to Hawaii, the oh, white yeah. people are still called Howleys. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's the combination of the word ha with oli, haoli, haoli. Ha means connection to the higher self. Oli means without. So they're without breath. Wow. Yeah. So that has that has really stayed with people who don't breathe. It's so interesting. They were, huh? they were calling <laughs> white people those who are disconnected from their God source. Pretty yeah. much. Right, because if wow. you're just in your mind, just in the mind, you you'll have a lot of information, but you certainly won't be connected. Right. You'll be headless, you know, not connected to the heart. Mm -hmm. So, are there? I'm interested in the, the Huna chanting, and um, mm -hmm. so are there specific chants for specific diseases or disorders, or how does that work? Well, there are chants that are very powerful in asking um, your cells to expel the darkness. And the cells that have been sleeping that don't respond to English, because English is too young a language, it doesn't have the vibration that the ancient chants have. That's why it's not just Hawaiian chants, but you hear Tibetan chants. That is also powerful. Um, drumming, just again... When you tone, when you tone and you say certain vibrations, the body responds. And there's one chant in particular. It's the I Nohoana chant, and I have it on both of my of my CDs. And when you hear that chant or chant it yourself, it changes you. You you completely feel protected. The chant asks for the darkness to leave and for the light to come in and put you in a state of calm and centeredness and it 
actually does that. I mean, I've had letters from people for years telling me that that chant has changed their life. And if you want, I can say it for you. Okay. Will you do that? It takes about 45 seconds or less than that. Okay. Just take a deep breath. I know Mahiana ho kanehi kona kahu ho anua wahike about that that's very soothing yeah it's again um the cells understand the the languaging of these ancient tonal patterns and it brings you know you into a state of calmness and feeling protected i have used that chant in when i was um faced with some danger in hawaii and I never spoke to the person who was coming towards me. All I did was chant that chant in his face. And he turned around and walked away, and we never heard from him again. He was very angry. He was um, wanting to attack. And, you know, it was an amazing thing for my clients to see, the ones that I had on in a seminar there, that you didn't have to do anything. You just chanted and so i use that as a protection it changes um everything around you and it'll change people's personality from like i say anger or whatever to a state of um, calmness so you would think that they would be playing that day and night in the <laughs> yes you would think huh for, well for the, many sakes yeah, the deepest kept secrets, you know, again, are still secret. Because I think people, for the most part, enjoy drama, you know. They enjoy the drama of their lives. And, you know, we they turn on the news, you hear all of these things. It's, it's um, addictive. I was just talking with a client yesterday who has always has to have, and she's a new client to me, but she's not new to the modalities, that uh, most of the modalities that I practice. And she said for years and years she's always had incredible drama around releasing or healing anything. And I said, well, would you be willing to give that up? And she said, well, I don't know. I don't know anything else. And I said, yeah. we'll be thinking about it between now and the next time you come see me. Right. Because life can be calm and easy. So, yeah, I agree. I think the reason, that's why we have wars. People love drama. Yeah. And they don't know what to do if they're not worrying about something. It it fills the gaps for them. They've never had a life that, that would be, you know, the, the other way until they try it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it equals... A healthier body, you'll you'll age less. You know, you become ageless. Um, everyone tells me how how much younger I look, and I know it's because of the work that I do inside of myself, and then clearing and um, swimming with dolphins. Of course, that that helps too. Because then again, you're in that tonal pattern of high frequency. Um, they're in an alpha theta mode which a lot of people try to get to by, you know, CDs and tapes, you know, to get rid of the chatter. And the dolphins uh, do that for you. They help you get rid of the chatter and put you in that theta-alpha mode, which is unconditional love. Hmm. So I'm addicted to swimming with them. I have to be with them every year. I was doing seminars for 10 years and taking people to teach HUNA and swim with the dolphins every day. It was incredible. 
Are you still but, doing um, that? I, I do it on a, a one-on-one or personal level. I go as a consultant now, uh, but I don't gather big groups again. Um, I lost my facilitator. She passed away, and I haven't found anyone to really take her place. So hmm. until that happens, I will just do it um, this other way. Mm-hmm. So I'm available to be a tour guide to anyone who wants to go to the Big Island. I know it like the back of my hand and know all the places where the dolphins come. And, you know, we just prepare our vibrations so the dolphins would want to be attracted to us in the first place to want to come and swim with us because they choose to come swim with us. Yeah, it's kind of hard to round up wild dolphins and make them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's right we're we're on their timetable and they they really i've never had a seminar where we didn't have dolphins and that was an incredible run for 10 years um and it's interesting i've had i had a couple of people that left the seminar and as soon as they left the dolphins came in <laughs> i was just running through that scenario in my mind what if you got one person and you know they are the reason that the dolphins aren't coming what do you do it, what do you do? Well, you you wait till that person finally gets it that they have to become part of the pod, you know, because that's what the dolphins are waiting for too. Are they going to become part of a pod like we are a pod, so that we can swim with them? Because they they wait, they, they wait. They feel the discordant energies and they don't want to connect to that. Oh, exactly. That's why they're so attracted to children. You know, that if you have a little kiki with you, you're sure you're going to get a dolphin. I've had several um, several children that came with their mothers and, you know, 12 years old, very highly advanced, and, oh, we had amazing time. And then I had elderly people, too, who were very childlike, and, um, you know, they they couldn't get along with people as much, but the dolphins loved them because their energy was so high. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, very interesting. But we finally all would all get together as a pod and and you know start feeling more connected as one, and that was the draw. Or laughter, we'd gather together in the ocean and and we'd start laughing, and sure enough, there with there with there they would be. Wow, <laughs> I've never done that, and I've always really wanted to do that. So, oh, well, I may I invite you. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'll call you later and we'll talk more about that. Yes. Oh, um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So then, okay, so then you were doing the HUNA, and then at some point you got involved with Ho'oponopono, right? Well, Ho'oponopono was always a part of HUNA. I mean, it oh, was really? one of the things I learned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, the Hawaiians, the ancient Hawaiians, would gather every night at sunset as a family. They would do it as a family and let go of the things during the day because they knew that would block their way to the higher self. And for them, connecting to the higher self was the highest form of existence while you're in the body. And if you'll read any of the ancient texts, um, Drunvalo Melchizedek in The Flower of Life, you can go through those hundreds and hundreds of pages and come to one sentence that says, your only purpose in life is to connect to higher self. That's the soul's purpose. And so they didn't have to read a hundred pages, you know, or a thousand pages. They just knew they had to let go of negative thought forms in their body, period. And, and breathe to their, um, to the top of their head, their amakua. And if they did this, they were happy, they were in bliss, they were, well, there was nothing else. It was just total joy. So I learned early on the connection of the unconscious mind, the, the little child that holds our negative emotions, the conscious mind, which is our logical self, and the higher self, our God self. And those were the three parts of man that I learned in Huna and how to, you know, clear it from the child from the unconscious, how to consciously do that because I'm in free will, and then how to bring these seeds up to the higher self so that my desires would come true, your heart's desires would come true. And sure enough, that's when you do that, it works. And that's when I, so, so I do sounds, the huna every, every day, the the forgiveness every day. 
it sounds as though you're saying that as long as we have unforgiveness in our bodies, we cannot manifest our desires. That it makes it harder. It makes it harder, yeah. Because it's like you're trying to push um, air through a pipe that's clogged with, uh, you know, junk. Mm -hmm. And so the air gets stuck. I mean, it's like you call the Roto-Rooter to, you know, unclog your pipes. You know, or you have to you have to clean out your closet in order to put some new stuff inside. All those metaphors are the same as with our bodies. Okay, and so what I'm what I'm picking up now is that what you're talking about the pipe, the tube, is the pranic tube. Probably it's the same thing that that has been yes. called in the East the pranic tube, yes. because we breathe through that. Yes. Ideally, ideally we it, we breathe through the top of our heads. And we, we after the fall, people lost the ability to breathe through the top, or many people lost the ability to breathe through the top of their heads, and they breathe in prana through their mouths, which is not nearly as efficient. And a lot of the work that I do has to do with clearing the pranic tube of detritus and gunk. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing you're talking about with different mm-hmm. words, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And so if you become conscious of where your your physical problems are, then you can see where the emotional gunk is that you have to, you know, release. For me, it was in my lower back because I had been born with the scoliosis. I had been born with these issues. Like a lot of people, we bring in the same old issues until we learn how to clear them. And you know my mother all my family had had some back issues because they were all worried about money you know they went through the depression and um you know i unconsciously you pick that up you know you and in, you inherit it as they say mm-hmm. and so my whole when i got divorced at 40 um i started on my quest to heal myself or find out you know get rid of my fears so to speak and so it started with Tony Robbins. I started doing fire walking, and I thought, well, if I can conquer this, I'm, you know, I'm right there. But it revealed inside. I was scared to death of water. I wouldn't touch a swimming pool all my life. I mean, I was just deathly afraid of water. And so all of my my uh, sessions and trainings were being conducted in Hawaii, surrounded by water. Mm. So when I first had my um, experience of my higher self coming in, uh, it was like oceans were parting inside my body and all these dolphins and whales were, were coming inside of me. And then my dreams started being of dolphins swimming with me, teaching me how to swim. And and I'd wake up and I'd have this yearning to go out to be with them, but I thought, oh my gosh, but I'm afraid of water. And but the the need to be with the dolphins from my dreams, they were calling me and calling me that it finally surpassed the fear. And I I found someone who could take me out there. Of course, I made dents and scratches in his arms from you know the the panic I first had when I went out. But it was worth it because they taught me how to swim and I started learning how to dive and I just let go of that fear and then started taking people out to meet them and that was 15 years ago so you learned to swim after 40 yes wow and I can't really say I'll you know I'll be an Olympic champion or anything because the the ocean is salt and it holds you up and but I have no fear of it anymore. Nothing. The, the ocean is salt and it holds you up, but it also has great big waves. So I think that's well, a great oh, yeah, place true. to learn how to swim. Well, the waves um, only come if there's storms, and we don't swim in storms. We, we've it, getting through some big waves once in a while, yes, but mostly it's quiet, calm bay. It's a protective bay. Oh, that is, okay. Uh, That's not where the surfers are hanging out, though. No, we don't go. I live in a surf town. I live in Santa Cruz, which is mm-hmm. the surfing capital of the world. But I would never swim here. It's too cold, and um, it's too cold. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you no, know, we swim I've been in, in that water, and it is really cold even in the summer. 
Oh yeah, no, no, no. You just uh, you have to be a diehard um, surfer with an eight ply, you know, suit on. And um, no, I just I'm swim in the very warm aqua blue waters of these bays, and there's about three of them that the dolphins come in periodically, and you just tune in and figure out where they are. It's usually early in the morning when they come in from feeding, and it's wonderful, just wonderful. Very, very calm, very peaceful, um, and it's healing just to be in the water, just to swim with the turtles, just to swim with the fish. There, it's um, intoxicating. You know, your aches and pains go away. You know, I think one of the reasons, one of the things, people. Um, we were talking earlier about people being addicted to uh, drama and have, constantly having to do things is. It's because of most of us living in the city and the disconnect between what you just described, floating mm-hmm. around in the, the bay with all the animals and um, surrounded by the energy of the plants and right. the ocean and the water divas and the plant divas and the the animal kingdom. And, and it's the disconnect from our natural State, which is out in nature, we belong out in nature, and it's all this cement and these box-shaped buildings that are contributing to this need for drama because we're starved for something to, to focus on. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. When I go to Hawaii, it's uh, it's just a whole other world. And when I finally put the snorkel on and, and went under the water and could hear just this peacefulness it's it's just another world that is so quiet but yet it's filled with just different sounds that are more akin to your body your body needs the rhythm of that water and um, i'm a fire sign and i need that water to balance me so i always had the desire to live near water and when i lived near water even though i never went in it i was feeling good mm-hmm. because I, I I was near that that vibration. Even today, you know, I don't go into the water here in Santa Cruz, but I live a mile away from it, so I have to go down there and just be with the waves and, you know, touch the water, walk the beach, or do something that puts me back in my own rhythm again with that water. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right, and people are starving to find themselves and you know again the drama just is like an addiction it just keeps feeding itself it's fun for a while <laughs> i mean i was a part of it too but um well yeah i think we've all experienced it but oh yeah i remember from when i was a small child being completely immersed in nature i would go outside because that's where respite from all the craziness in the house was I'd go outside and and crouch underneath the bushes and hide from everybody and just watch (laughs) the bugs and the drops of water on the leaves. I can remember doing that. I've got a phenomenal memory. I can remember being two or three years old and hiding out there and just being one with nature as a way of getting away from all that screaming and um, craziness. And that's what I think people don't know how to do. Most people just don't even know to sit still and and watch bugs crawl on plants. Well, it's um I have a grandson, so I take him to the park and we, you know, laugh and skip and look at leaves and play with bugs and I mean it's it's intoxicating to be mm-hmm. with a child. I guess if you can't be with nature, you just find a child and they'll guide you to the bugs and the leaves. <laughs> oh, or you can make a conscious things. decision to go sit in the park and watch the birds yeah. or whatever. But um, yeah. So if people wanted to listen to more of your chanting, which is just absolutely beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. How would they go about doing that? Well, my website um, is Huna Healing, H-U-N-A Healing, uh, H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. They can order um, the CDs there. Chant and Forgiveness will guide you through the process of Ho'oponopono. It's a more visual um, where you put people down on the stage that you're connected to inside or giving um, uh, 
discussions about and it'll guide you to put them all down there to breathe on them to offer forgiveness to yourself for holding on to that and the higher self um, helps you to dissolve that so that it fades away and you get back to square one so that cd is available and the enchantment cd which is another um, just all the ancient hawaiian chants plus the sounds of the dolphins and the whales interspersed and that one takes you through a higher self connection with the breath and the name of that one is enchantment enchantment okay right and they're also available on mp3 downloads so people can download them into their ipods Um, so there's all those different ways you can also get it on amazon um, and your local bookstores a lot of them uh, order them through New Leaf distributors. So just they're available everywhere now. But my website is probably the most direct where you can hear a sample of it. I also have Sleepy Time Chant, which is for people who can't quiet their mind or get to sleep. And that's an ancient Hawaiian chant that asks your conscious mind to to go to sleep and and to go from a solid to a liquid and just go into the dream time. So that's a very popular one. And then I also have a, a DVD on there that have the dolphins. So you can plug that into your computer and see these dolphins just amazingly immersed in this play and um, just swimming together and all of this ballet underwater while the sleepy time chant is the um, uh, soundtrack. So that is very mesmerizing and relaxing. And just those were our seminars. It was a, a DVD based on our seminars. Hmm. So that's all on the website. Okay, and that's hunahunahealing.com. Right. So, you know, the Aboriginals referred to, the Australians referred to um, the dolphins as the masters of the dream time. Ah, yes. yes. So what do you know about that, having worked with them so much? Can well, you... from my yeah, from my own experience, they invaded my dreams. I mean, they really just kind of came in and took over and started teaching me how to swim. And, and in the dreams... I was being taken away to, um, I don't know, a portal or some underwater uh, sanctuary and would just be playing with dolphins all night. So in that respect, um, I guess they had downloaded me. And when I go out to swim with them, many times I feel like they're taking me into some kind of altered um, existence because I know I feel like I've disappeared at times and then come back. Um, just being shown ancient wisdom, uh, just just ancient. I, they're, they're told, we're told that they are ETs, extraterrestrials, mm-hmm. come in this uh, dolphin form to teach us about love and community and being a pod and how to bring our world together. They work with the whales who are the gatekeepers, and I've swum with the whales. Um, That is an amazing experience as well. Um, Different than the dolphins, huger, (laughs) you know, bigger, bigger. But it just turns you inside out. You're never the same after that. You're just, you're never the same. Um, And so whales are the gatekeepers. What does that mean? They're holding the planet together. They're they're the ones that are really holding the vibration of love together, even though they get killed, they get um, you know sacrificed all the time. They're still in that vibration of love, and the dolphins um, are are thought to be a, a, a whale, like a whale is a huge pot of dolphins collected together, and you know again from ancient times it's been scripted, written in the hieroglyphics of dolphin-like people that came down in spaceships. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was written in some of these books in in Africa, carved into their stones, where they came out of the spaceships. From Sirius, I was getting ready to ask you, are they not connected 
to serious. Yes, well, because, that's definitely. Yeah, do you I don't know if you believe in past lives or actually they're all simultaneous or other lifetimes. Do yes. you think it's possible that you're a dolphin in one of your lifetimes? <laughs> Yes. Is that your answer? That's my <laughs> yes. Because I think I'm a whale. Oh yes. Well, it's um, absolutely possible. I mean, everything's possible. Everything's possible, and you time travel. Whatever you believe, you direct your energy to that, and you put it into form. So you create, you know, your thoughts, and you know, we're all aware of that, but. I know that my fear of the water, you know, prevented me from being with them until I was in my 50s because that's when I really started swimming with them. And uh it just changed my life completely. And I mean they're they're my my totem animal now. And I have to be with them. So every year, you know, it's it's an addiction. It's it's my addiction of choice. Well, there is such a thing as positive addictions. <laughs> You know, running yes. is considered a positive addiction. Yeah, and how do you feel that you're a whale? What what gives how you that? How do I that? feel that? I really cannot articulate it. I do Akashic Records readings, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I'm, I'm aware of a lot of my other lifetimes. I used to call them past lives, but for the most part now, I, I try to acknowledge that they're all simultaneous, and if you do, right. you can't affect all the others by what you do in this one. And, I, right. I, you know, I just feel like one of them is a whale. Now you should swim with them then. I want to. Well, I went like to Tonga my... to do that. Where? Tonga. Okay, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my my friend who is the dolphin guide that I've used for years, she takes people to Tonga and um Where she is has Tonga? a website. It's uh outside of New Zealand. Yeah. It's a group of islands yeah, outside I want to go of New there. Zealand. <laughs> I've been looking for New Zealand lately for some reason. But what I feel is, well, I guess it all, I started realizing it when I watched that film, film, it was a New Zealand film actually called Whale Rider. Whale Rider, yeah. That's when I realized it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't identify with dolphins, I identify with whales. Well, the whale. So. Yeah, they are um, amazing when they look at you and you're in the water and you're next to them. Oh my God! It's what um, kind of quails are these that you're swimming with? A uh, humpback. Not the these people the, eating. That's the kind I think I am is a humpback. I'm not telling the world here that I'm fat or anything. I'm just saying that all <laughs> my lifetimes is a humpback whale. Because well, I just get. So I mean, when I hear the song of the humpback whale, I just like, oh, I'm so longing for them. Well, that's all filtered through my my CD enchantment. Is the the sound of the whale? Well, I have to listen to that again. You would listen to that, yeah. It's uh, it's haunting. It's ha- I had a whale um, balance me on his nose oh, when I was God. in Tonga. Yeah, we had. We had an amazing, um, we had one day with the whales because there were storms and we had airplane problems and we didn't get there in time and it was, but one day we swam with a mother and a baby for an hour and two lovers that were amazing and I was in the water and my, the, the group had gone to, to be with the other whale and I was just kind of by myself and I was looking down at these lights underneath the water when the sun comes down it it reflects this just um like a starlight of lights and they were very thick lights because in hawaii they're very thin and i thought oh my gosh these are so thick and just really luminous and then i saw this brown coming in between the lights and i thought what is that and all of a sudden i felt the bump i was laying flat on the the surface of the water and the whale came under me and laid vertical, and I rested on his nose. Oh, how amazing! And I uh, believe me, I was not really excited. I was a little bit scared. Were you on you know, your I, tummy, face down? My tummy, yeah, yeah. And, and the I whale didn't want to move underneath you. Yeah, so I was just oh. like laying on, like beached. I was beached, <laughs> and I just I was saying like help, you know, to my friends, but they were gone you know they had gone down the other in another direction 
And we just kind of laid there. Pardon? That whale was snuggling you. Well, yeah, humming at me. Humming me. Really? Yeah, I could just... You are the luckiest person I ever spoke to. (laughs) Well, I felt lucky. I was glad he did not open his mouth. (laughs) It was just... It was See, just the trouble with the Bible and that story of Jonah. It makes us I know, <laughs> or Jaws, you know, or Steven Spielberg and all those other <laughs> things. He's he's ruined it for a lot of people. Those but were no, not whales. Those were sharks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, but I'm thinking of Moby Dick. Moby oh, okay. Dick and those those kinds of angry stories. But that whale was defending her her baby that they had um, they had oh. eliminated. That's why he was after Captain Ahab. Oh, well, Ahab needed somebody after him. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But these whales were loving and just, oh, my God, it was was an amazing experience that I will take to the rest of my life. It was just incredible. And just as, as gently as he came up under me, he just gently pulled away. Because he knew you were tiny and frail. Yeah, very tiny and frail <laughs> compared to him or her. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was just an amazing experience, and with the mother and the baby, I mean, it just brought me into tears. I mean, I was just um, very, very emotional with that day, that whole experience. Um, and Celeste goes there every year. It's in, around in September when Celeste the whales. Is your facilitator? She was uh she is my dolphin guide or had been my dolphin guide. I would pay her to take my people safely through the waters when we had dolphin seminars because I had like eight people, so I always had to have um you know, like some had to have individual attention and Celeste would be the one to you So know, to she's be the our one guide. that's no longer with us, right? Or not? No, Celeste is the one that is with us and she okay. goes to um Tonga. But not also, Hawaii. No, she lives in Hawaii. Okay. She lives in Hawaii, and if I have a group, then I go to Celeste to do the dolphins. But she also takes individual people to Tonga to swim with the whales. That's a separate business for her. Oh. And she does that every year. I was on her first trip that she ever did. So that was the, you know, the one where we were testing the waters, let's so to speak. Mm. So. She has and it kind of worked out. She goes in September? Yes, it's usually September that the whales are coming from uh, Antarctica to birth their young and teach them how to swim and make the trip back to Antarctica after that. So they go there to just spawn and mate and um, kind Why of have a Why are they going to Antarctica? Them. It's cold down there. Well, they go there to fish, I guess. You know, oh, no, not as much competition for the fish down there. Yeah, well, and then they come to Tonga to, you know, birth the young. Mm-hmm. And wow. meet up with other 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 uh, whales. <laughs> we we just, we lucked out with the ones we had that day because she's done it now for many years since then. I went a few years ago and we never had an experience like the one we had that day with hmm. the mother and the baby and she's had some incredible ones she's she's had this last year she had an incredible experience too with a whale very 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 close i mean they just it, it looks like i mean like it, it's just it's huge i mean they're huge you don't know and you have your little camera you don't know what to aim for so you just you know you aim for the eye you know to take a picture because there's, there's just, it's just so they're so huge, but they're so gentle, and they can come within inches of you, and they know exactly where they are, when they turn or they, you know, they maneuver, and they're so quick, they maneuver that, you know, that body, and just boom, they're out of there, if they want to be, and wow. they can be totally still and totally quiet and looking at you and. You know, examining you and saying, you know, gee, Lois, you're you're one of us. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I somehow identify with humpbacks for some reason. Um, well, 
So a trip to Tonga. Hmm. <laughs> yes. I have to start getting those wheels in motion. I really want to do yeah. that. So um, can you, for the for the benefit of those who do not know what Ho'oponopono is, yes. do you want to um, sort of explain the, pro- the well, process? Because it's really pretty short and sweet. Isn't yeah. It? Ho'o means to make. Ho'o means to make. And okay. pono means right. So you're making right twice. Ho'opono, pono, inside of you. And um, with the system that 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 I learned, and I learned from Morna Simeona when she was she was the one that spread Ho'oponopono around the world and went to the United Nations. And um, she's you know she passed away in in the early 90s. Um, is you you just see yourself up above, like on a platform, looking down below you on a stage, and you put the people there, starting with your mother and father, and you make them very tiny because you're carrying the seeds of who they are inside of you. It's really an extension of you, the way you're looking at them. And so the my CD will have you uh, put all these different groups on the stage, your ancestors, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, you know, people you didn't even know, but that you're carrying the DNA of that, Um, authority figures, exes, uh, friends, your relationships, um, just all these different categories. And then you'll breathe down from your higher self because the higher self is the one that forgives you for everything. And so you, together with your higher self, through the breath, dissolve the way you're looking at those people. And you just say the words, I forgive you, I love you. And then I I have people or yourself take a cutting instrument um, that spins around you, can be your higher self, the blades from the higher self, and then watching them float away. If you're visual, if you're not visual, you can just sense them floating away or hear them leaving the stage, but they move away or dissolve away from your energy sphere. And then you tuck the leftover cords inside yourself and you're back to square one again. And you always put yourself down on the stage because you're looking at a smaller version of who you think you are. So whatever illness you're dealing with, whatever... um, uh, challenge you have, whatever misconception you have, you put that person down there because the real you is up above looking down on that, you know, just judgment that you had of yourself. So every day you forgive yourself for holding on to that and let it go. I do my cord cutting or dissolving in the bathtub because I take a bath every night and I let it go down the drain. So it goes down with the water and the old dirty water down the drain. And this is a technique you do only once, or do you do it again Every, and again? Do you take a shower once? Do you brush your teeth once? Do so you do each it every day, day you put all those people on the stage? Only the ones that I feel in, in my CD, it guides you with all these people. Then eventually okay. you'll only put the ones that you're you know, connected Current with. Issues. Current issues, right. The ones you have conversations with every day. The ones that are in your face. Mm-hmm. The ones you're not neutral with, if mm-hmm. it's your mother, if it's your father, mm-hmm. the, put, the you button know. pushers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those. That's right. It could be a stranger you honked at on the road. Exactly. Could be your neighbor. Could be your boss. Could be anybody. Could be the IRS. Could be um, you know something in government, a doctor, anything. Anything that takes away your energy, because that's where you get the, I'm sure you've heard the saying, um, where you, you think you're, you're doing bad to the person that did bad to you, but it's like swallowing poison and expecting your enemy to die, mm-hmm. swallowing arsenic. Yeah. You're the one that gets angry, and it hurts you. It doesn't hurt them. That's the thing that I try to explain to people when they say I can't forgive so and so for doing such and such. Or they don't You're know not, how to forgive. 
It has right. nothing it, to do with the other person. It has to do with that nastiness that you're holding inside yourself every time you get angry, every time you right. think about them, every time you resent them. You're releasing toxins into your the fluid in your body, and it's right. poisoning you. That's right. And, and that's all it is, is you're forgiving yourself. So how long do you want to hold on to that pipe that's full of clog? You know, How long do you want to do that? And it's the feeling you release. You don't say that was okay what you did to me. What you're doing is saying I'm letting go of having any feelings at all about what you did to me because as long as I hang on to the memories and chew on it and stew on it, I'm self-poisoning. Yeah, and you so can't move forward. Just, yeah, letting go of all that. So that's a right. really hard concept, though, for most people. It is. It is. And even some of my, you know, very learned teachers have a hard time with that. Um, you know, you you release these people to to be in higher ground, to let them learn their lessons. Because everybody, everybody, even the ones that do terrible things to you, they all have a conscience somewhere. And they're all trying to reach some level of of higher existence so by you releasing your connection to them, the way you're looking at them, it gives them more opportunity to find that on their own. And more times you, when you do this process, the person that you've hated or that did something terrible to you or hurt you, they will try to change that. They will call you on the phone and they will apologize. Things will reverse. Um, I mean, I've done this in legal matters and it's always flipped over to what I really, you know, really wanted for my my highest good and I released it things I've I've found things that were lost. I mean, you know, jewelry or papers because I've put it down on the stage, I've released it and then it was able to come back to me in another way. Oh, no, that's a new concept. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, it's amazing what it can so do which, to find which things. So, is that now? That's got that That's called Chant and forgiveness. Chant and forgiveness. And forgiveness. So that's the one that's got the stage process on it. Okay. Yes, number six. It goes through. That was the very first. I did it in a little audio cassette um, over 15 years ago, and then finally went to the CD, and uh, it's been out. I mean, thousands and thousands of uh, copies have been sent all over the world with that CD and it also has the chants in there that and symbols that help you to um, release people more easily because it's very hard for some people to to let go yeah. and some of these chants are it, it has it built in and the symbols that will help you to release and also to let go of entities because some people have if they have the same thought form over and over and over again um, it becomes like an entity, mm-hmm. and so that when they hear that, when those thought forms hear that chant, the one that I just chanted to you, it's they they finally let go because that chant is asking them to move to a higher level of existence, and that's what they do. They finally say, "Okay, I have permission. I can now go." And uh, you know, it's very the, powerful. The thing that comes into my mind as I'm listening to this and it's popped into my head a couple of times and so I need I know I need to articulate it, is that the Hawaiian Islands are the tippy top of a continent, one of the theories is tippy top of a continent that used to be a very ancient land and that the people there have some very ancient knowledge that goes way back prior to anything, you know, that we know of as recorded history. We only have about one minute left. Is there any last thing you want to say before we go? Oh, I'm just so grateful that I get to share this with you and your listeners. And um, it's, again, it's almost like a a gift that had been hidden for so long and, you know, it's available now for for people who want to raise their consciousness to, um, to heal you know, to allow their souls to heal. And um, I just want to thank you and invite people to listen to the chants and come swim with dolphins and whales. Okay. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for letting me interview you, and thanks to the listeners for being with us. And come again next week.
拜拜，拜拜。Kichunai 